Last Handful of Clover, a novel by Wes Mongo Jolly, read by the author. Book Three, The Stone in the Stream. Chapter 56, Shatter. June 16th, 8.57 p.m. As Richard fled from the body of Sutton Deary, he found himself airborne. But only for a moment. His heels struck the ground and instantly he was falling backward and flailing before crashing hard into the gravel floor of the wash. When he looked up, his feet were just inches from the old man on the ground, and Pill was crouched over his writhing body. The big man was still roaring in terrifying fury, and he had Sutton's skull between his huge and powerful hands. In contrast to Richard's calm, which still lingered from the encounter in Deary's mind, Pill was a flaming son of rage. Richard realized that even though it had felt like several minutes that he was in Sutton Deary, it could not have been more than a second. Two at the most, in the real world. And in that brief span of time, Pill had begun to squeeze. Chaos exploded all around Richard, and things were happening fast. Too fast for him to keep track of or react to. He still expected bullets to rip into Pill from the ghost in the soldier. But as he turned his head in a panic, he saw that the army man was dying, face down against the embankment. Sutton's wild shot when the tire iron hit his forearm must have somehow flown past Pill's temple and struck the soldier before he could get off a shot. He would be dead in seconds, if he wasn't already. A scream from Carla Grayson made Richard wrench his head around. The woman was rushing forward. She'd watched the crowbar fly through the air and straw it strike her beloved god, and then she'd seen Pill rise up like a furious bear. Now she was in a panic. Keith! Richard screamed, flopping over onto his belly and reaching one hand uselessly to his lover a dozen yards away. He half expected to see Keith lying dead. But to his relief, he was still upright, still on his knees. He looked dirty and scraped as if he'd been pushed into the gravel, but he was trying to get to his feet and the gag over his mouth was loose. Oh, thank God, Richard stammered, his voice full of both hope and terror. He looked back at Pill and saw that he had a bullet wound in his shoulder, and Richard knew instantly what had happened. When she saw Pill lunge at Sutton, rather than shooting Keith, as the wanderer had instructed her to do, Maddie had taken a shot at the big man. It had hit him in the shoulder, but neither Pill nor Richard had felt it. Maybe it was the impact of that bullet that threw me into Sutton's head? Carla Grayson was screaming now, pointing the gun at Pill and repeatedly pulling the trigger. But no shots were being fired. She's out of ammunition, Richard realized. Maddie knew it as well, and even as Richard was trying to climb to his feet, he saw the detective fumbling at the extra bullets that were in the belt around her waist.
She would have the gun reloaded in a matter of seconds, and then Pill would be dead. And Keith would be next. Maddie got two bullets into the gun, but the air was thick now with sudden screams. Pill was applying more and more pressure to the sides of his skull, and the man was clearly in excruciating agony. His arms were flailing and clawing at Pill, but they had no effect. Richard expected Maddie to bring the gun to the side of Pill's head and fire. What happened next? Richard didn't understand. Dutch! No! Billy screamed. Richard had almost forgotten the boy was even there. But the shout caused his head to wrench around, and what he saw made no sense at all. The ghost in the soldier had stepped free, rising like Lazarus as he abandoned the dying body. He was an old cowboy with a shimmering silver bowie knife, and he was already rushing towards Carla Grayson. Billy was on his heels, screaming words that made no sense to Richard. I know you, you son of a bitch! I know you! I remember what you did! Before he could make sense of Billy's words, the old man shot past Richard, his knife gleaming. He dove headfirst into the detective and disappeared. Maddie! Watch out! Billy screamed uselessly. It's Dutch! Carla Grayson froze, almost as if she heard, or as if having the two demons inside her had turned her body into stone. Then, from deep in her throat, arose a wail that sounded as if it embodied all the hate and fury that the world had endured from time immemorial. The scream became so loud that Richard scrambled back in terror. I know you, Carla Grayson screamed, her eyes attempting to roll back in her head. I know you. You killed my parents, you fucker! You killed Franny! The detective looked like a war was being fought inside her. She was waving the gun wildly in the air, as if the ghosts within her were fighting over it, fighting for control. Both Billy and Richard stared, transfixed and helpless. The sun was suddenly eclipsed by a shape that was rushing forward down the slope of the embankment as graceful and relentless as an onrushing mountain lion. As the sun winked out over the horizon, Richard recognized the face, distorted but familiar. It was Howard Gunderson. Howard, help! Richard screamed but the boy was already halfway to Carla. He saw what was happening, and he was intent on getting to the cop before Maddie, or the strange new ghost that was battling with her, could get control of the gun. Howard Gunderson barreled into Carla Grayson's right shoulder like a football tackle, and the two of them went sprawling to the ground, the gun tumbling into the dust at their feet. 
and the impact was so brutal that it dislodged one ghost from the woman. The old man with the knife lay in the dust, screaming obscenities, and Carla Grayson lay unconscious. Richard's gaze was drawn back to Pill when Sutton let out a strangled cry. The old man's arms went rigid, his hands now quivering, misshapen claws against Pill's forearms. There was a crack that sounded like a tree branch breaking under heavy snow. And then blood flowed over Pill's hands like lava. Sutton Deary's final scream pierced the shadowy ravine, and then his skull gave way completely. Richard saw the blood arc into the air from the gory mass that was Sutton Deary's collapsed skull, coating Pill's face and arms. The big man finally fell back. Everything seemed to be in slow motion now. Richard saw Howard get back to his feet, and in his hand was the tire iron he had flung at the wanderer. Then, over Howard's shoulder, standing at the edge of the ravine, Richard saw her. Tuilla. She must have been with Howard the whole time, guiding him to this place. Sutton's head was crushed, but his arms and legs were still twitching. As Richard stared, the dying man took a last gurgling breath, and Pill crawled further back into the sand next to Richard. Pill, look out! Billy yelled. The old cowboy with the knife dove toward Pill, releasing a screech that sounded like nails on a chalkboard. But he never reached the body he wanted to use. Howard turned, just in time, swinging the tire iron. He caught the thing midair, like a batter catching a perfect pitch on the tip of his bat. The cowboy shattered, and bits of him rained down over the body, of his dying god, who was already splitting in two. And then there was a strange old man lying in the dirt next to Sutton Deary, an old man in go-shoot garb who trembled and writhed in agony. His clothes were stained with the blood of his murder almost two centuries before. It was George Drouillard's ghost, back in the hereafter for the first time in more than a half century and looking every bit as terrified and confused as he had in Richard's vision. Twilla knelt down next to him and took his hand. The empty shell of Sutton Deary let out his last gurgling breath and lay still. And then a crack of thunder, so powerful it felt as if it was shattering the deep blue of the evening sky, shook the world, and the rock in the center of the wash suddenly crumbled into fragments.
The dust settled among the shattered shards of stone, and Richard could see old white bones glistening in the fading light. The most astounding sight of all was that where the stone used to stand, the air now shimmered, as if Richard were looking into the rising heat of a desert mirage. Around the edges of the shimmering air was a golden corona that to Richard looked like some kind of garland or perhaps Christmas lights viewed through a soft focus lens. And through it, Richard imagined he could see the faint shimmering of distant stars and hear the roar of a lonely ocean. It's a kind of portal, Richard thought. It's here because the stone's been broken. Or maybe it's here because Tuwilla and Druliard are together again. Perhaps that was always the true breach. Perhaps it wasn't George Druliard's need for revenge that had warped the space between the living and the dead. Maybe it was his lost love. And if that was true, then reuniting them was what had healed that breach and would allow them both to continue on their journey. In awe, Richard looked around the wash. It was suddenly crowded with ghosts. The ghost shoot had returned. A dozen old men, women, and children were rising to their feet, arrayed around the shattered rock like a Greek chorus, gazing reverently at the breach that had opened up where the stone used to be. They all looked sad and tired, but their faces also glowed with hope, as if they had been waiting for this moment since their violent deaths in 1851. Tuella met Richard's eyes. She was holding Juilliard's ghostly body in her arms now, and he was weeping and clinging to her like a newborn baby. I have to take George on his way, Tuilla said, her voice barely over a whisper. He remembers me now. Thank you, Richard Pratt. I hope you find the peace you are looking for. Without another word, Tuilla helped Druliard to his feet and together they stepped into the shimmering air. The portal pulsed brighter as they faded from view, as if their life forces had given it fresh energy. One by one, the Goshoot followed them, humming an old tribal song that Richard could not understand. Holding hands, they stepped into the shimmering air one by one, the last was a young woman holding a child in her arms, the baby he had seen slaughtered on the sand in his vision. With a last smile to Richard, they stepped into the breach 
and it instantly snapped shut behind them and disappeared. They were all gone, and the remnants of the strange thunder rippled outwards across the valley and faded. Keith, Richard gasped, finally registering that his lover wasn't dead. Keith was still kneeling in the dirt, just a dozen yards away. Richard was about to run to him when he saw that Carla Grayson had regained consciousness and was now kneeling over the body of Sutton Deary. She was silent, and that fact frightened Richard more than anything. Anything, that is, except that he could see she now had the gun in her hand again. Everyone was frozen, staring at her as she stood, her chest heaving, her grip on the gun so tight that it looked as if it might shatter in her hand. Her eyes were darting now between the three living people still standing in the ravine, the only three she could see. She pointed the gun at each of them in turn, first at Pill lying on the ground, then at Howard a dozen feet away, then at Keith, kneeling in the dust. Maddie, oh God, no, Billy said, please, no. Finally, it seemed she had decided. She pointed the gun at Pill, and her arm went rigid. Princess, stop, Howard said, softly. But Richard knew she could not hear him. Just as she was about to squeeze the trigger, an evil glint came into her eyes. Without a word, she lifted the gun from Pill and aimed it across the ravine. No, Richard whimpered. Maddie, don't. For the love of God, please, don't. She pulled the trigger. The bullet struck Keith in the stomach and knocked him back into the embankment, the blood blooming across his belly and pouring into his lap. It took a second for Keith to realize that he'd been shot, but then he wailed Richard's name and collapsed back into the dirt. Richard let out a scream of torment and despair as he saw Maddie now turning the gun down toward Pill. But the instant before the second shot, Howard was on her. He grabbed her wrist and the last bullet fired harmlessly into the dirt next to Pill's chest. Howard roared and smashed the tire iron into Carla Grayson's jaw, and this time the impact was strong enough, or Maddie was weak enough, that as Carla went to the ground, Maddie remained standing where the cop had been. The little girl was a ghost once again, staring at them all with hatred so strong she looked as if she could burst into flames. Her eyes focused instantly on Richard. Fuck you, Richard Pratt. You horrible, horrible man. God has won. God always wins. And she tipped back her head to laugh. It was just the opportunity Howard needed. 
Richard watched in awe as the boy leapt like a panther, his arm arching through a high circle as if he was swinging a sledgehammer to drive a railroad spike. The blunt end of the weapon sliced through Maddie's chest and then into the ground, splitting the little girl right down the middle, all the way to the stones at her feet. Maddie wailed as if she was a demon drawn from hell and then shattered like glass. Richard stumbled to his feet and ran toward Keith, but then realized that when he got there, he wouldn't be able to do anything to help his wounded lover. So he turned, and in three great strides, he dove back into Pill, possessing him instantly. He had the big man on his feet in seconds, and the two of them, as one, rushed to Keith. It was hard to tell who was in control of Pill's body now. They were one at that moment, two minds with the same goal. They pulled Keith into the enormous arms that they shared. Richard realized his husband was as weak and loose as a rag doll, and the wound in his belly looked terrifying. There was blood everywhere, and Keith's breath was weak. But he was still conscious. Richard kissed his lover, knowing it would be the last time he would ever do it. And even though it was not his lips that he was using to kiss the man that he loved, he felt Keith respond, and he felt Pill respond as well. Keith's hands were still cuffed behind his back, but he leaned into that kiss and then rested his head against Pill's shoulder as they moaned and rocked him back and forth. After a moment, Keith opened his eyes and gazed up at the face that was just inches from his own. He smiled, knowing at that instant that it was not just Pill that was holding him, but Richard as well. I, I love you both, Keith said, his voice weak and fading. Richard and Pill cradled Keith's head under their chin, and their wet eyes darted desperately around the ravine. Tuwilla and Druliard were gone. Howard was kneeling in the dust, cradling Carla, who was gasping for breath and holding what looked like a broken jaw. Billy was standing apart, shocked and helpless. The anguish in Richard's heart was so relentless that he longed for the world to end. He sensed Keith falling away into the darkness, and he wished he could follow him, even if it meant immersing himself in the void once again. The pain of living and of loss was just too intense for any mind to endure and stay sane. Billy, I can't, 
Richard wailed, reaching a huge, bloody hand toward his friend. The thunder finally trembled out of the sky. Richard felt himself fading and knew instantly that he was being reset. And without warning, he was ejected from Pill and felt himself impact the hard ground at the man's side. In his last seconds, Richard looked up. Billy was still there, but he too was dissolving slowly, watching himself become translucent, watching the shards of his ghostly body come apart. He reached out a hand to Richard and tried to open his mouth to speak, but then he was gone. Richard looked up to see Pill holding Keith. He was weeping, and he caught Richard's eye one last time with a look that was dark and unreadable. Richard reached a hand toward Pill and his dying lover, still locked in an embrace that would never again be his. And the pain was worse than he could imagine. The agony of his shattered heart passed into every cell of his body, which was already crumbling. Not now, he screamed. And strangely, the voice of a terrified and quivering old man filled his mind. It brought with it one last gift, and Richard took it. I remember everything, the wanderer had said, and, oh, oh God, it's beautiful. And then Richard Pratt was gone. Sutton Deary's body cooled in the twilight. The shattered stone lay silent, and the bones beneath it had fallen into shadow. The sun had set. You're listening to The Last Handful of Clover, a novel by Wes Mongo Jolly. If you're enjoying this audiobook, please consider supporting the author on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Jolly. And for more information, check out the author's website at westmongojolly.com. That's W-E-S-S-M-O-N-G-O-J-O-L-L-E-Y.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for more episodes.